Welcome to the Marketplace Movement, where our vision is to reach, enhance, and advance lives. This week, we are on part 2.5 of their Work to Be Done series. We will learn how far ministry can go by being mature in the spirit. So as always, please grab your notebook and your Bible and join us in the year to live the standard. Lord, thank you. I'm grateful, God, for who you are. I'm grateful for what you do. Grateful for grace and mercy and your loving kindness, which is continually poured out on us. Lord, we come before you today humbly. You don't have to speak, but you choose to. You could remain silent, but you choose to allow yourself to be known among your people. Thank you, God, for being so gracious and so loving toward us that you continue to reveal yourself to us. So, God, we don't want to take that moment for granted. Allow us to be students tonight. Train us in your word and allow me to speak with the precision necessary for the people to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. I thank you and give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, this is 2.5. Part 2.5, we're talking about the work that is necessary to get done. And I said this statement at the end of service, but I need to uh, say it again. We cannot, if we're, we were talking about serving, and we talked about what to serve means. And, and we said that to serve is to minister to relieve one's necessity, to distribute the things necessary for life, to serve by supplying. So when we talk about serving the Lord, because we, we, we have to know what the Lord did. When we talk about serving the Lord, we're talking about literally being the vessels that he can work his ministry through. Does that make sense? Now, we cannot reserve our serving just to the people we like. That's, that's where my premise is tonight. Um, and I'm going to give you my big idea for the evening here, here shortly. You can't say, all right, Lord, I'll serve you as long as I get to serve you within these parameters. Lord, I'll do whatever you tell me to do, but I don't want to do this, 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 right? So we have to make sure that we're not allowing or we're not guilty of allowing personalities, or past behaviors, present behaviors of people to determine our ministry towards them. In other words, I can't say, I refuse to minister to you because I don't like you. I refuse to minister to you because of what you did to me even yesterday, even this morning. You can't allow their personality or past or present behaviors to stop you from doing the will of God. Because remember, you're not hurting them. You're not hurting them. You're hurting yourself. We're the ones that are out of God's will. So here's our big, big idea for tonight. Please write this down in your notes if you don't mind. The work of ministry requires maturity. Write that down, please. The work of ministry requires maturity. Say maturity. maturity. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 43. The work of ministry requires maturity. And here's the thing about being mature. Um, being mature has nothing to do with age. Y'all turn. Matthew chapter 5. You can be old and immature. All right? So don't think, oh, I've, you know, I've got to this age that all of a sudden I'm mature. I know, you know, my, my, my father would call him an old fool. All right? Right? So, so just because you have reached a certain age, uh, that doesn't mean that you are mature. Maturity is about acumen. 
And we're going to talk about maturity tonight. And if we're going to do this thing called ministry, if we're really going to serve God, if we're going to flow in his will, if we're going to have him say yes um, to us and he is well pleased, at some point, people of God, we're going to have to be mature. The thing is, when you're mature, right? I just need to be clear from the beginning. Maturity, you know, we, we can't say I'm mature, but we throw in temper tantrums. You know, I, 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 I'm mature, I'm mature. No, 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 no. No, you can't say you're mature, but you're always talking behind somebody's back. You can't say you're mature, but you're not willing to address people to their face about issues that you have with them. See, that's mature. See, see, this is what adults do. Amen. See, and some of this stuff that we say require the Holy Ghost, I need to start by saying, well, some of this stuff don't even take Jesus. It takes being an adult. Like, ooh, I need the Lord. No, you need to grow up. Yes. <laughs> and put Jesus on top of your grow up. You know what I'm saying? Y'all with me here? We in Matthew 4, I mean Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. So that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and on the good, sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Verse 43 again. You have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's easy, y'all. Isn't it? Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. Simple. Love, love the people who are close to me. Love the people who I'm in relationship with. Love the people who I'm connected to. And he turns right. But I say, love your enemies. Excuse me. No, I'm cool on that. Because what does this require? Maturity. And so he ends in verse 48. Therefore, you are to be perfect. Write the word perfect in your notes. Um, now, that word perfect, if we, we look at it in English, it does not mean without blemish. That's not what it means there. The word perfect there means to be complete or mature. He says, I need you to be complete or mature. And that's important. He says, look, if you're going to do this, if you're going to love enemies, the only way to do it is to be mature. Otherwise, you ain't going to love your enemies. You're not going to do it. This is what you're going to do. Just because you go through the motions of love does not mean the love is legitimate. It is possible to go through the motions. You can even say the words. I love you. Love is what love does. Okay? So we have to understand, in order for us to get to this level of service, love your enemies, it's going to take a big word that we don't like. Maturity. Well, Bishop, I just can't get over it. That means you haven't grown mature enough to recognize that your inability to get over it is hurting you, not them. See, you got to get to a certain level of maturity for you to recognize this grudge I'm holding ain't hurting you. Because you can be mad at somebody and they're living their life. Oh, come on, y'all. They done move right on ahead. Like, you don't want to talk to me? That's cool. Amen. Because here's the reality. So there's some people in this room who have moved on from some people who don't like you. Yes. See, y'all looking at me. 
And if you got the ability to move on from people who don't like you, then what makes us think that other people don't have that same ability? But, but, but it's the person that won't forgive. It's the person that holds the grudge. It's the person that won't allow themselves to see people the way Christ sees us. We're held accountable for that. So for us to get here, it takes maturity. How do I get to the maturity? Turn to 2 Timothy, please. How do I get to this level of maturity? 2 Timothy. My pages will stop being stuck together. 2 Timothy. Just go to your right now. To the right. After Thessalonians. Don't go to the left. You're going the wrong way. 2 Timothy chapter 3. If you have Galatians, you ain't far enough. If you get to Peter, you're too far. I'm trying. 2 Peter. I mean 2 Timothy. Sorry. 2 Timothy chapter 3. How do I get to maturity? 2 Timothy chapter 3. Now, listen, what I'm about to say now may sound simple, but I want you to hear me when I, when I read this text. Because remember, love your enemies. That's what we just read, right? He says, now I want you to do this, and I want you to be perfect or mature, just like Christ. That's what we just read, right? We in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is inspired by God. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So that the man of God may be adequate. In King James, that word adequate, what we, we get some connectivity there. Perfect is what that word adequate is. Perfect, complete, mature. Equipped for every, every good work. King James says that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished. Right? So he says, verse 16, somebody drop something. Verse 16, all scripture is inspired by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that, underline that in your text, so that the man of God may be adequate or perfect or complete or mature, equipped for every good work. So we understand that the scripture, and we're going to break this apart, that the scripture is what is necessary to get me to maturity. So that I can get to this place. I need the scripture to do its job so that I can become mature. I cannot reject the word of God and become mature. Y'all with me so far? Now let me say this. Go back to 16. All scripture is inspired by God. And, 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 and other translation says it is given. It is inspired or given, not forced. The presence of the scripture doesn't make me mature. The application of the scripture makes me mature. Y'all with me? Just because the scripture exists does not automatically mean that it is benefiting me. A Bible in my house is not a Bible in my heart. So, so it is possible to know the scripture, don't apply the scripture, and therefore not benefit from the scripture that you know. It is possible to be in, an, in a scriptural environment but still not allow that environment to affect your life. All scripture is given or inspired. Unfortunately, that doesn't mean that all scripture is always used. So, so, so I'm convinced that there are many of us who know to do right and still don't. We know the scriptures to apply and still won't. And then when we don't see the benefit of those scriptures, we blame the scripture as opposed to blaming ourselves. Right? We got to come clean about that. Also, just because the scripture has an intended purpose, which we're about to deal with, 
That doesn't mean that you can always realize the purpose of the scripture. Let me, let me explain. I can, I can give a set of tools to my son. And what my son does with those tools versus what Mick would do with those tools, same tools in two different sets of hands, gives me two different outcomes. Right? So if the AC at my house goes out and I give all of the tools to fix it to my son, he's not skilled. He doesn't know how to utilize the tools, which means he can go to the thing that is broken and still be unable to fix it. Not because he doesn't have the tools, but because he doesn't have the skills to use the tools in his hands. And get the same set of tools to make, and because he's been trained, and because he's gone through a regimen of study, he comes to the same problem with the same tools as the untrained person and can fix the problem, not because Mick's any better, but because he was willing to go through the process of being trained in the tool. That means that two people in the body of Christ can have the same set of tools, but, to, and, but, but not have the same set of maturity, not have the same set of training. They haven't allowed that Bible to do the same thing in their life, and therefore they can't fix the problem. It doesn't make one saved and the other not. It doesn't make one holy and the other not. Really, oftentimes, the difference is whether or not you allow that scripture to mature you. To train you. You're not developed enough. It ain't the scripture's fault. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying here? It's not the scripture's fault. It's not the tool's fault that my son couldn't fix it. It's his lack of training. It's his lack of development. Are y'all with me so far? So the work of ministry requires maturity. Let me give you four things that we must allow the scripture to do. Four things that we must allow the scripture to do in order to be Mature. Because I hear stuff all the time and, you know, I'm, I'm watching folks. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at all of these Christians who feel it necessary to clap back. That's not mature. You know what I'm saying? Somebody got something to say to you, you got to clap back on social. That's not mature. The scripture says, woe when all men speak well of you. Everything doesn't deserve a response. It's quiet today. You know why? Because some of us want to clap back. Everything doesn't deserve that. It's always going to be somebody who got something, something to say about you. I wouldn't have done it that way. That's fine. That's fine. And even if you say, that was wrong. If you love me, instead of telling the world my wrongs, yes, yes. come to me. Because I might not have known it was wrong. You could have used that as an opportunity to help me save a brother, correct me, Right? Because watch this. My maturity is, is evident based upon how I respond to correction. So if you come to me, first of all, the scripture says, if your brother offends you, go tell them the offense between you and them. Right? Right? And, and, and if what I did bothered you so much, why don't you come talk to me? And here's what I have learned in my life. People whose first response is to talk to somebody else about me Y'all with me here? That's already a demonstrator of their maturity. So why am I about to lose sleep at night over somebody who's not even mature enough to be scriptural in their approach? At this point, I know what I'm working with. Amen. It's just like, all right. Praise the Lord. Pray. Praise the Lord. Amen. 
All right, so let me give you four things we must allow the scripture to do. And y'all, that's not, I'm, not, that's, I'm not speaking from a position. I'm not telling you guys to be arrogant. I am telling you don't go into a state of depression over folks that don't matter. When the Lord says we good, you about to cry over somebody who never wants you to be good in the first place. Please understand, there are people in your life who are thriving on their ability to keep you beneath them. Did you hear what I said? They want you to be beneath them because you excelling in the things of God only reveals what they refuse to do. So you got to stop allowing people who don't want to see you do any better, you got to stop allowing them space in your head. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. All right, four things. So right there in verse 16, all four. All scripture is inspired by God. It is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, for training in righteousness. So here's, here's all four. We have to allow the scripture to do all four of these things. Number one, we must allow the scripture to teach us. To teach us. What is teaching or instructing? What is that? It is detailed information. Detailed information telling how something should be done, operated, or assembled. Detailed information telling how something should be done, operated, or assembled. Detailed, deep detail, detailed information telling how something should be done, operated, or assembled. That's teaching. When you allow the scripture to teach you, the scripture is giving you detailed information. Y'all with me? How can they hear without them? Right? So, so watch this. Detailed. This is, this is what a lot of us don't like. We want to hurry up and get to the answer. Okay, you want to you want skip steps? Okay, anybody ever buy furniture and just look at the pictures? Huh? You never done that? You buy furniture and you look at the pictures, and when you get done putting it together, you got pieces left. I oh, see y'all y'all you 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 like I didn't need that. Look like the picture to me. That looked just like that, right? What were we trying to do? We told ourselves going on we didn't need those that level of detail. I don't need that. I know how a bed go together. You know how a bed put together one of my Ikea beds. You see, you see parts you ain't never seen a day in your life. They don't look like regular screws. They, they, they do things, right? And you have to understand, y'all, we have to allow the scripture to teach us. Teaching, though, the teaching, the detailed information is actually not the putting together. That's another step. Y'all hear me? Just because you talk don't mean you've applied. A lot of people will get the details and still fail the test. You hear me? Receiving good teaching. See, you know, you need to go somewhere where you're being taught. For some of us, it's not about being taught. It's about actually getting to the place of application. Right? Right? Because, listen, I know for sure like, I, I, I watch people who struggle with material that's already been covered. Y'all didn't hear me. See, every teacher in the room is itching right now. Because you, you feel some type of way when you know you've given the data. Amen. And you watch somebody act like they ain't never heard that before. 
literally make the mistake that you just told them they was about to make. And then they look at you like, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> like, I did. I did. So teaching, it is instruction. Detailed information. Now, but, but watch this. The next thing you must allow, notice I'm using the word allow. You have to allow the scripture to teach you. You have to allow it. You have to, you have to let that thing happen. Because when I first got into the word of God, I didn't want to be taught. I wanted to use it for my benefit. Amen. The next thing I have to allow the scripture to reprove me. Watch this. I got all of these things. I got to let, let this happen to me first before I can use it for others. Amen. Amen. I got to let it reprove me. That word reprove. Watch this. To bring conviction. The scripture has to bring conviction to show where the blame is. Yeah, to show where the blame is. I have to let the scripture do that. I've told you guys before, I'm always concerned when somebody always got a word for everybody else and the Lord ain't saying nothing to them. <laughs> nothing. And then, then you talk to them and they, they, they make this statement. You know, the Lord, you know, so it's so hard. It's so hard. For, for, for the prophet to hear for themselves. Y'all ain't never heard that before? I hear it all the time. Like, you know, I, I, I hear so easily for everybody else, but it's so hard for the prophet to hear for themselves. And, you know, this is why I believe, you know, I, people don't say that stuff to me anymore. And, you know, praise God. Because I start asking questions. I'm like, so it's hard for the prophet to hear for themselves. That, that don't line up with Moses, Elijah, Habakkuk, Amos, <laughs> all of these people heard for themselves. Jeremiah, they all heard from themselves. As a matter of fact, God would speak to them about them before he gave a word for anybody else. Amen. You have to allow the scripture to bring conviction to your life. You need to allow the scripture to show you where the blame is. And listen to me, maturity, say maturity. You got to allow the scripture to reprove you before you try to reprove somebody else. You have to allow the scripture to reprove you even before you open your mouth. Because if you allow the scripture to show you where the blame is, when you open your mouth, you will do it correctly. If you don't know where the blame is, you'll start blaming with your mouth when the blame really might be applied to you. You got to allow the scripture to teach you first, reprove you first. Amen. Now watch this. If you've allowed the scripture to teach you, then you understand that even if in the reproof stage, I see the other person did it wrong because I've been taught in detail about the scripture. I'm going to open my mouth with love because I allowed the scripture to teach me first. So it has to teach me, it has to reprove me, but watch this. Number three, it has to correct me. It has to correct me. And, and, and I was going back and forth Guys, about reprove, correct. Reprove, correct. Right? Because in, in, in NASB, it, it, it actually says, for reproof, for correction. And I was like, well, God don't seem similar. And he says, hold on. When I reprove you, I convict you. When I correct you, I fix what I convicted. You can, watch this, you can feel bad, but not be right. You can be convicted but not fixed. 
You got to allow the scripture to convict you, but you also got to allow it to fix where you're convicted. Watch. If you don't, we'll run around with a bunch of convicted people that never get to freedom. They'll never get whole. So this is when you have a church that doesn't know how to celebrate. This is where, this is where your testimony is always woe is me. Because you're reproved, but you never got corrected. See, don't look at correction only as stop. That's the reproof. Look at correction as, um, let me write the ship. Let me get you back to the place that you should be. Does that make sense? Matter of fact, let me give you, watch this definition, to correct, to fix the error. Restoration to an upright state. Restoration to an upright state. Y'all with me here? So once I have corrected you, I'm putting you back right. I'm putting you back right. I'm getting you back where you need to be. I fixed the error. I fix it. And you're, the error is not fixed if I can still see the effect of the error. Amen, amen, amen. You tell me if you wreck your car and you take it to the body shop and you go get it, they say, fixed. You get there and the dent's still there. Excuse me. Excuse me, it's not fixed. Yeah, yeah, it's fixed. Well, how did you fix it? See, I put tape all the way around where the dead is. I identified it. No, no, no. The identification is the reproof. Y'all with me here? The correction is literally the fixing of the error. I've corrected it. I've put it back in the right state. Amen. Because watch this. If we never do that, what's the blood for? What's the blood of Jesus for? If the blood of Jesus doesn't wash us white as snow, what's it do? Come on, y'all. We've taught this thing from a wrong perspective. This is why we got everybody who never gets whole, who never gets right. And let me say this. Stop allowing other people to hold you to what you were. Come on here. Romans. There is now therefore no condemnation. To those who are in Christ Jesus, there comes a point where you need to be able to say, I did do it. I've been corrected. Come on, y'all. I'm corrected. Not disciplined. That happened in a reproof straight to say. I'm corrected. I'm now at a place of right standing. But here's, I need to say this. Some of us in this room are still holding people in the reproof stage. Right? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. What we need to believe, if we believe that God can heal, deliver, set free, why can't we believe that God can fix? Listen to what I just said. We want God to fix us, but we don't believe that God can fix anybody else that hurt us. We call it being mature. I call it being faithless. You know, sometimes you got to be mature enough to know. Are we? Did the Lord tell you that they were still there? Or do you not have enough faith to believe that God can do it? Oh, it's quiet. But we want God to do We pray, We'll pray hard for cancer. We'll pray hard for heart disease, brain tumors. We'll fast. Throw oil all over the walls. I mean, we're going for a fall. I mean, we will, I mean, tongues and everything. Call down heaven. But if somebody hurts us, we do not have that same level the same brevity of passion for God correct them. 
What we want God to do is, what we want God to really do is God get them. God get them. Right, let me sit and do it in front of me, Lord, so I can see just how bad it hurt you hurt them. But if somebody is corrected, and you look at them, watch, you look at them, you shouldn't see the dent, the damage. You shouldn't see it, and watch. You first have to allow, help me God, you first have to allow that, that scripture to do that to you. Oh, it's going to get better. Which means that if you hurt me, and I let the scripture correct me, the dent that you put in my door got pulled out by the word. Oh, y'all still, come on here. The person who hits you don't always do the body work. Okay, okay, okay. Thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. The person who hits you, as a matter of fact, be very, very afraid of letting the person who you were in an accident with be the one who also does the work on your car. Come on, one time I got hit on the side, bam, the guy was like, please, don't call nobody. I can fix this. <laughs> no, 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 no. And watch, I have to have enough God in me. I have to have enough God in me to not be mad at you for the mistake you made in hitting me. Come on now. Recognize and watch, I got enough insurance to take care of my car, even if you have none. Okay. I got enough. I've spent enough time with God. So the first thing that happens is if you hurt me, if you've lied on me, if you've done all manner of things against me, when I go to the word of God, when I spend time in prayer, when I spend time in study, then the word of God is going to pull the dents out of the car that you put in my life. You did it. I didn't did me. You did it me. But that word pulled that dent smooth out. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And the next time you see me, I will not respond to you like I'm dented because I've been corrected. Amen, amen, amen. Oh, but no, we don't want to do that. No, we don't want to do that. We want to, we want to remind people every time we see them. You hit me! I got to let the word teach me. Oh, it's, it's tight here. It's tight. Because, oh, it's tight. Because once the word does this to me first, I gotta walk around correctly. Amen. When, when our building was hit, they hit our sign. And then two weeks later, they hit the building over here. And we called our insurance company. And the insurance company, they asked me all the information. And watch this. The insurance company said, You don't worry about dealing with their insurance company. We'll deal with their insurance. You are our client. Y'all know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even have to worry about it. Amen? Well, they, they, they did it and stuff. About to get the sign up. Amen? We got the contracts. They about to start working on the other bill. Praise the Lord. I have no idea what's going on between our insurance company and their insurance company. I don't even have to worry myself with the quality of their insurance. The problem will get solved not based upon where they are with their insurer, but based upon where I am with mine. Lord, 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 Lord. Y'all hear what I'm saying? When you've been right with God, when we've been before his face, and people come against us to hurt us, I don't have to worry about where they are. I don't have to worry about their relationship 
of the Lord, God will take care of me based upon my relationship with him. And then I have to sit down. See, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. I have to allow my insurer, the Holy Ghost in my life, to deal with them. When I see them, are oh, y'all with me here? I actually legitimately know who hit the building. I know. Like, I know who he is. I know his name. Right? So when I see him, I don't worry about like, bruh, for real, man? I'm not going to do that. Do you know why? Because, watch this, my anger don't fix the building. So why should I allow myself to be at odds with God over something that God already said I got? God, like, I got this. Teach, reprove, correct. Here's the last one, number four. Train in righteousness. To train in righteousness. What does that mean? It means to cultivate to cultivate the mind, soul, and body for the purpose of right living. To cultivate or develop the mind, soul, and body for the purpose of right living. Y'all need it again? To cultivate the mind, soul, and body for the purpose of right living. That right there is training in righteousness. So when I'm being trained in righteousness, this is why this is why I don't understand when, when, when my fellow leaders say, whatever y'all do outside of here don't make me no difference. That's not training in righteousness. Training in righteousness says I'm cultivating the mind, the soul, and the body. I am developing the mind, the soul, and the body for the purpose of right living. This means that we need to look at the natural and the spiritual. You need to ask yourself, is my body even up to the task of my calling? Amen, amen. And, and the more we look at ourselves, we'll go, oh, I need to get myself together. That's that right there, y'all. That's what the scripture wants to do. You need to allow the scripture to tell you. My mind is not up to this task. My soul is not up to the task of right living. Right? My soul is not ready. What is my soul? Your soul is the seat of your will and your emotions. It is your character. So you need to start saying, does my character match what you've called me to do? In other words, if I was to walk into the hood talking about Jesus, does the hood know something about me that would disqualify the words coming out of my mouth? See, that's your soul being up to it. Right? That's your character. I'm not talking about do you have a past. I'm talking about do you have a present. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Because when the scripture says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, the rest of that verse says, my soul knows it right way. Because yeah. it's one thing to believe what God made you in your mind. It's another thing to believe it in who you are. My soul knows it right way. So when you are allowing the scripture to minister to you and to train you in righteousness, what, what you're saying is, I want this Bible to train my mind, my soul, and my body. Let's go further. I want the scripture to tell me, stop doing that. Get your tail up in the morning and pray. Go to bed at night and stop being undisciplined. The Bible will do that if you let it. Come on now. Stop only allowing the word to impact your super spooky deep spiritual selves. And allow the word to impact every area of your life. He wants to be the Lord of your life, not the Lord of your Sunday. He wants to be the Lord of your life, not the Lord of your Wednesday nights. 
And if you let him be the Lord of your life, that means he wants to be the Lord of your grocery shopping just as much as he wants to be the Lord, amen, of your checkbook, just as much as he wants to be the Lord of the way you take care of your house and the way that you talk to your kids and the way that you treat your spouse. He wants to be the Lord of your life, not just the Lord of your tongues. He wants to be the Lord of your life. And if you let him be the Lord of your life, then you will treat your coworker right. That's what the word is. You got to let the word be a lamp into your feet and a light into your path. Not just the word to be the pathway to your, your money. Come on here. And see, we have to let the, let the word. We have to let it. You know the scripture said, let this mind be in you. Allow it that was also in Christ Jesus. Now listen, listen to this, this, this quote. I had to read it like a good 20 times. It comes from a philosopher. Plato. And, and Plato says this. This is what he says about maturity. Plato says that maturity is seen when, listen, ma maturity is seen when the man who by recollection of what he once saw in God's proximity presses on to the world of ideas and thus reaches up to true being. I'll do it again. Maturity is seen when the man who by recollection of what he once saw in God's proximity presses on to the world of ideas and thus reaches up to true being. Plato, what were you saying? Plato was saying you're mature when you remember an encounter you had with God and live your whole life through the lens of that encounter. In other words, what Plato was saying is if you haven't never been in proximity to God, you can never be mature in the eyes of God. Because you don't know what maturity looks like until you've been around the mature. Come on here. Paul said it like this. I didn't even know what sin was until you showed me righteousness. I needed somebody to tell me what was right in order for me to see what I was doing wrong. And when you come into proximity of a perfect God, you get an image of what perfection looks like. And then you read your whole life through the lens of your encounter with God. All of a sudden you go, oh, this is how I live. So he, Plato says, when, when you recall when you recall what I once saw when I was in God's proximity. Ooh yes, Lord. But if I've never had that encounter, this is why, this is why, people of God, we have to make sure our circle is tight. Because if we're trying to get delivered from ratchetness, and your whole circle is ratchet, all you're going to be is ratchet. Y'all looking at me funny. Because you know, some of us in this room still got ratchet circles. Amen. <laughs> I mean, you know, they, they, they think they're they a little saved. They saved and ratchet. They ratchet saved. <laughs> Amen. You got to, listen, listen, listen. You got to get around some people who make you want to pray. You got to get around some people who when they walk in the room, you want to start reading your Bible just because you feel like you need to read something. I know that's right. You got to get around some people that when they open your mouth, you want to study some. Yeah. You got to get around some people who when you see their interaction with their children, you want to go spend some time with your kids. You want to get around some people who when you see their interaction with their spouse, you want to hold your spouse just a little bit tighter. Have you ever been to a wedding and you're sitting there with your spouse and in the middle of the wedding, you want to hold her under yeah, like ain't this nice? You remember when? You remember when we got married? What's happening? It's your proximity that is allowing you to see your current circumstance through the lens of what you're currently in proximity with. So if you're always around complainers, yeah. if you're always around the depressed, if you're always around the frustrated, 
Let's go further. If you're always around the people who are broke. Amen. Because some folk are broke. And they're not broke because they don't make enough. They're broke because they're not disciplined enough. Because broke is a state of mind before it's a state of fact. Poverty is a mentality before reality. Oh, y'all. There are plenty of people. Come on, y'all. Come on. Come on, come on, come on. I was raised, I was raised with, with people who might not have had much, but they took care of what they had. You could have never told them they were in poverty. Because watch this, they understood how to be good stewards. They didn't live above, above their means. Amen. You got to get around some people who are more concerned with the quality of their life than the quality of their items. Amen, amen. Amen, amen. I teased my cousins over the holiday because I, I remember when I was a little boy, uh, they both come into a bunch of money and I was on my grandfather's house and they both come into a bunch of money and both of them went and blew all their money on cars. One of them bought the brand new, this brand new Maxima. The Maxima had just came out. It was the first Nissan Maxima. I remember being a little boy and I was just enthralled because you opened the door and it was like, your door is a jar. I was like, this is the most amazing thing. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, it was like nightlighter to me. And I was like, wow, the car talks. I just can't believe it. And then the other, the other cousin, after the Maxima was in the drive, and the other cousin pulled up, and he had him a brand new blue-on-blue -blue Cadillac with the slant back with the Rolls Royce grill. I mean, this was great. This was great. This is the 80s. I mean, it's, I mean, mind-blown, right? And so I go outside, and I'm all enamored because I'm a little boy. I'm immature. I'm enamored, I'm, I'm awestruck, I'm, I'm big-eyed because I'm a little boy, I'm immature. My grandfather walks out. Y'all ignorant. <laughs> Who told y'all to spend all y'all money on these cars? Y'all got cars, ain't got nowhere to live, right. ain't got nothing to eat. Exactly. Dumbest thing I ever told you, told you not to spend your money. Went on back in the house. I'm all inside the car, because watch this, the immature, are always impressed with what they should be devastated over. It don't take a lot to, to impress the immature. The immature are always impressed with where you went on vacation. Ooh. The immature are always impressed with, ooh, look what you got. Ooh. But the mature, they're impressed over your peace. The mature are impressed over your joy, over your happiness, over your focus. The mature are impressed over things that matter, like your relationship with Jesus. Amen. Be careful of surrounding yourself with people. Listen, you can determine the maturity of people in your life by what they applaud about you. Okay, y'all. If you always applaud what I have, but, but, but actually don't even see who I am, you're probably immature. Amen. You don't even know who I am. You just know what I have. Okay, I'm going to lean into that thing. You got to understand, especially for those of y'all who ain't married yet, be careful of what the person you want to marry compliments about you. Oh, y'all quiet. Because if they can only compliment your attributes but not your character. Girl, mm, you look good. Yeah, but who am I? Who am, who am I? Because if you can't see who I am, we got issues going into this. You see what I got, but you don't know who I am. Amen. 
Because what happens when what you, what you like right now don't look like this? The work of ministry requires maturity. It requires maturity. If we allow the word of God to do those four things, teach, reprove, correct, and train, the result is maturity. Y'all with me? Once we allow that to happen, the result is maturity. Now I'm ready to serve. Now I'm ready to minister to you. I can open my mouth now. I'm ready to work. Because listen to me. When you serve, when you minister, that's a practical display of love. That's more, that's more than words. It's a practical display of love. Turn to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. The Gospel of John chapter 13. John chapter 13, verse 34. 13, 34. We ready? A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Now, here's the issue with verse 34. It's really two words, even as. Because the, the two words, even as, means you don't get to love them how you want to. It says that the quality, the blueprint, the framework of your love must be, be Jesus. We're supposed to love each other the way he loves us. Yeah, I had to come to grips with the fact that I had a couple people who wasn't on that list. Amen. I had a couple, I had a couple of people who I wasn't loving like Jesus loved me. Because Jesus got some unconditional, like long-suffering love towards me. Jesus got some, I done forgot what you did type of love toward me. Jesus got some, I'm not even going to bring that up type of love with me. Oh, y'all got some. Jesus got some of that love where he like, you know what you did? We're not even going to talk about that. That's the type of love he got with me. You know what you did? I'm still going to use you despite what you did type of love toward me. And I, I had to come to grips with myself. Lord, I love everybody like that. Amen? Lord, I said to you, Lord, Lord, forgive me. That's what happens when you let the word teach, reprove, correct, and train you in righteousness. You come to grips with where you messed up. Lord, I don't love people like that. I got some people I love like that, but I got a couple other people where I'm like, you know what? We cool. We cool. I'm cool on you. I speak. But watch this. I speak. But I now limit what I say. But watch this. We'll mess up and the Lord will still talk. And he'll still talk to us like sons and daughters. Thank you, Jesus. He says, I cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. Thank you, Lord. See and forgetfulness. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And so we have to understand that. Now let's go to verse 35. By this. All men will know that you are my disciples if you love, if you have love for one another. Please understand, y'all. Please understand. When we love, that's a distinguishing mark of the Christian. 
But loving like that take maturity. I can't love like this. I can't love like this without being mature. I can't love like this just by being taught. I can't love by, like this unless I'm taught, reproved, corrected, and trained in righteousness. I need all four. Because you can teach me and I can know to do right and still do wrong. Amen. I need all four. Now, however, we choose to show love only towards people we like. Or only towards people we feel deserves it. That's not mature. You don't deserve my love. Who are we? Who are we to tell other people what they deserve from us? When our life is not even our own, we've been bought with a price. How do we get to tell God how to use a vessel that he owns? Oh, Lord. Now, we want him to keep putting blood and air. We need that. But then we're going to tell God how we're going to use something we don't even pay for. They, they don't deserve my forgiveness. Yeah. According to who? Well, according to me. Because that hurt. Well, are you hurt because your insurance premium wasn't paid and you driving around with a dent and you mad? Because, <laughs> I mean, to me, that's your fault. Because driving without insurance in the state of Ohio is illegal. Come on now. Just like saying you're a Christian and refusing the Holy Ghost to pull dents out. Okay. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Amen. Jesus will give you a license. The Holy Ghost gives you insurance. I need the Holy Ghost. I need, I need, all, I need, I need extra Holy. I need full coverage, Holy Spirit. I need full coverage, Holy Spirit, with like rental car protection. I need, you know. I need, you know, I need that coverage that gives you uninsured motorists. I need uninsured motorists, Holy Ghost. You know, huh? Yeah, I need all of that. I need all of that. I need warranty, Holy Spirit. I need all of that. Y'all with me? And then when that happens, then you know your premium is paid. Let me tell y'all something about, about Jesus. I, I, I'm going to be fair. This is what I love about Jesus. Jesus prepares us to get coverage from the Holy Spirit. And then when something goes wrong, Jesus uses his blood to pay the deductible. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Baby, he says, ooh, you need to use your insurance? Don't even worry about the deductible. I got that. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. So you mean to tell me that all I got to do is do my part. And if I get into a collision, your blood don't pay the deductible. I got you. <laughs> right. Lord said, like, I got you. So what? Watch. So what excuse we got now? Or we don't want to. Because oftentimes we want people to pay. And guess what that is? Immature. When we're mature, and I'm, I'm going to pray for you. When we're mature, I want to see you fixed. Like, I want to. 
When you mature and somebody gets something new around you, you don't hate. Good stuff. Huh? You're grateful. That's mature. If every time somebody is moving ahead in your life, if that frustrates you, that's not a problem with them. It's a problem with you. If you always try to find fault in somebody else's progress, that's not a problem with them. That's a problem with you. Who they think they are. They just got a car. Okay. Are you paying bills over there? Why are you mad? Oftentimes, because we wanted one. And we frustrated because we feel like they got something that they didn't deserve. And here's the, here's the truth. If we started spending time focusing on what God wanted for us, I really don't have time to pay any attention to what's going on in your life. I got some stuff I'm believing God for, so... So, you know, like I told y'all before, if you start getting what you believe in God for, I'm hyped because the ice cream truck on my street. I'm hyped. I'm, I hear the bell. Like, you know, ain't nobody mad. Like, you got what? You been praying for? listen to part 2.5 of the marketplace movement podcast there's work to be done series there is still so much more training to go please like us on the marketplace movement facebook and instagram page follow us on twitter at the marketplace r-e-a-l and visit our website themarketplacemovement.org we invite you to worship with us at 3300 west third street in dayton ohio or catch us on periscope every sunday and wednesday remember the work of ministry requires maturity We hope to see you soon at the Marketplace Movement, where we reach, enhance, and advance lives.